Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time for TSM Press Box. Opinions, analysis, and the occasional awkward silence. Here's your host, Jonah Siegel. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50%. Welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back. Another episode in the press row. An awesome Friday afternoon here on the uh, on the left coast, as they say. Sun's shining in Seattle. We've had an amazing week. Things on this side of the border seem to have stabilized. Uh, I just got a text that said that 50% of Californians 16 and older have now been vaccinated. Uh, not trying to make my Canadian brothers and sisters jealous, but I think I'm hoping that uh, the U.S. success in doing this will lead to surplus, which may make it across the border, which would be nice to see. Uh, very excited to have my next guest join me. Uh, I've been hunting him down for some time uh, for numerous for, for numerous reasons, which we will get to. Um, he was a day oneer at, at, at Rogers Sportsnet. And, and one of the things we'll talk about, he also is the epitome of, of what I tell a lot of people, especially when they go through challenging times, and that is that everything indeed happens for a reason. And while that reason may not be abundantly clear when it happens, it, things tend to work out. Uh, he is Darren Millard of, of the Chirp podcast and your Vegas Golden Knights. Darren, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for the intro. Uh, I'm with you on on not wanting to rub it into our Canadian uh, friends and our family, but uh, it is, uh, and boy, has it changed in the year uh, between the two predicaments of, of the countries. And uh, we're safer uh, on this side, and we're hoping that it gets to that point in Canada. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here for a whole host of reasons. Uh, one, as I said, you you struck gold like you you made it to vegas i don't know how you do at the casinos if you do at the casinos but you certainly hit the jackpot career-wise and lifestyle-wise i would imagine um really interested to know and we'll talk about this in a minute as i'm sitting here in seattle and we're we are at the precipice of you know we're 90 days away from an expansion draft um new market coming into the league it's, i'm going to paint you an expert in that Clearly, your experience at Sportsnet is significantly interesting as well. Um, how are things going in Vegas? Spectacular. Uh, teams challenging for first place. Uh, organization feels like it's when you look around town and you've been to, to Las Vegas, uh, you see the bumper stickers, the license plates, the T-shirts, the hats. 
you would think that this franchise has been around for 20 years uh, instead of four, uh, closing in on the, on the four years. Uh, great, uh, great coaching staff, great collection of players. Kelly McCrimmon, the general manager, and George McPhee, president of hockey operations, have put together a team that's made the playoffs four straight years as an expansion team and challenging for the Stanley Cup. Uh, owner Bill Foley wants to win multiple Stanley Cups, not just one, and and he's put uh, the resources behind it. It's it's really interesting, fascinating, and fun uh, to to cover this this hockey club in this this market. It's a, it's just a cool place to live and cool place to work. That's awesome, and that's what I said, right? Like things things don't always end up the way you want, but in, eventually, if you have faith, I'm not talking about religious faith, but if you have faith, you you do tend to realize that things end up happening for a reason, and that those those famous words, but for X, you wouldn't end up at Y. Except I, there was a a, a very uh, point, a strong point, where if one person said, uh, "Don't worry, it's all going to work out," I I would have been willing to uh, to pop them in the head. That's right. <laughs> or or whack a mole. I was tired of hearing that, but uh, but it's it's right. It, we 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 treated it like a family adventure. Our our kids uh, have have learned so much through this. My wife is ecstatic she's she's happy she's loving it she just finished her, her master's uh online and and is uh exploring opportunities it's, it's just uh it's it's we we look around all the time and go really this is our life how where we are right now it's 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 fascinating and it's fun so remind me when you got there was the, were you there at inception or did you come after the team started i came in year three so uh i the the year that they went to the final uh and the second year, uh, they, uh, so I missed the first two years and then, and then joined the team in year number three. So I've been here two years, closing in on two, two seasons. So how would you compare, um, how would you compare Vegas to other U S markets? You've been around, you've traveled. Yeah, I would say, uh, the same, but just, uh, more sizzle. Uh, it's, I, I don't know whether, have you been to a game at T-Mobile? I have, I have not, I've been to the arena. I have not been to a game yet. Okay. So, so this is, this is how I describe, uh, what happens at T-Mobile arena during normal times for <laughs> uh, a national hockey league game is the, they drop the puck and it's a hockey game. The puck stops moving and it turns into a nightclub. And I'm absolutely 110% serious that it turns into a nightclub. Uh, the, uh, people are dressed up there. It looks like new year's Eve every night. Uh, there's always something going on in, in the stands, both with the, to the regular crowd and the game presentation. It is like a party. Then the puck goes back into play and it becomes a hockey game again. Uh, the, one of the, the weirdest things uh, is, and it, this, this will compare to, to traditional markets and, and, and what happens in Vegas is uh, Mark Andre Fleury makes a, a great save or a, Max Pacioretty puts one off the post and in, in a regular national hockey league setting, I, th- there's a stoppage and everybody looks up to the jumbotron, the nitron uh, in, in T-Mobile looks for the, for the replay. Well, that doesn't have the replay doesn't show up because there's a party going on and the, the scoreboard is part of the party. Uh, if you want to see the replay, you, after the puck hits the post or flurry makes the save, you have to, while the game's going on, look up at the Nitron or the Jumatron because they'll show the replay then. But if you wait, 
you'll never see that replay. And coaches, opposition coaches, took a while for them to 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 get into the. It took me a while. I'm looking around, going, "Where's where's the replay?" Uh, because nothing gets in the way of the party except for the actual game. And when the actual game stops, it is uh, an absolute zoo. It's the coolest thing in the world. And I can't tell you John, how many times I've, I've looked around and went, really, this is, this is happening. This is really like, wow. It's, it's so surreal and so different. I'm not saying that it would work in every market, but for Vegas, this is, this is what they know and they do it really, really well. It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canaan. Canaan sunglasses are made exclusively with Polaroid lenses for optimal clarity. They are made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code KananCast15 at Canaan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's KananCast15. Canaan, clearly better. And is it, um, there's a fine line between sizzle and steak. Like, yeah. would it tick off the traditional hockey fan? Is it is that over the top? It's over the top. Uh, would, would all of it work in Winnipeg? No. But I can tell you that I've had conversations with coaches who say to me, we wish that our president, presentation that our atmosphere was like this we've talked to our presenters about what they're doing in in las vegas and we wish we saw more of that now uh i I think that there's there's something to be said for watching a game in in montreal and just having that pure traditional environment with the organ and and the knowledge of the fans and just taking in a hockey game i love that but if i'm going to do 42, 41 home games uh, at T-Mobile Arena, that atmosphere where we can just fly around and we've got the golden bells and we've got the drum line, like the drum line uh, during a, a penalty kill or something is they're doing it. And, and the, like really not the organs and they're doing it during the game. Uh, there's a, a, a different, uh, our, our in-game presentation with the night and, and it's just, it's, it's wild. It's, it's absolutely cool. Like one of the first things uh, and I'll, I'll just jump ahead. Uh, when I started here, uh, my boss called me in and we, we went over some, some tape and Eric uh, told me uh, love, love this. And I, and I was doing the, the games like, uh, like I normally would. He said, the content's great, but you're in Vegas, like have fun. And that was a, a light bulb to not be cheesy, not be over the, the top, but certainly embrace what is happening ar- around you because there was a real difference between what I was doing at the start and what was going on behind me and around me. <laughs> and, and it didn't really mesh. And uh, I had, I had to come over way over, to the other side. And, uh, and that's part of the atmosphere that you see in, in Vegas. It's funny. I, uh, as I always do, I was doing a little bit of research on you this morning and there's a video from your last, I think it's your last day at Sportsnet, And, uh, they ran a video and having fun doesn't seem to be a bit of a problem for you. So <laughs> no, <laughs> we, we, yeah, we've, Sportsnet was great. And, and it, and it was, when they let us have some fun and the, the, some of those bloopers and some of those different things that, that you reference, uh, it's good. But I was I was coming from the national rights holder uh, point of view for my last four or five years, 
at Sportsnet, and they're a uh, corporate, just yeah, corporate, and and traditional. Uh, you you don't have uh, a lot of overtalk with your analysts. You don't have um, a lot of uh, opinion in, in in your statement. Uh, you you talked about the game. That's different here. It's and and I can't wait to get back to normal and and really sort of push the boundaries a little bit. Uh, now there's a fine line. I think one of the greatest things that George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon have done with with Bill Foley is is they have managed to walk that line of tradition and and Vegas very, very well. And you still get the sense that you're at a hockey game. It's still part uh, of, uh, of presenting the National Hockey League, but they've, they've certainly tweaked it uh, in some, some different gold helmets, gold sweaters, uh, like them or not, it's, it's different. It's Vegas. Yeah. So I'm curious, when you sit there in the arena and, and are doing games, Vegas is New York transient, right? Like you've got yeah. people that live in the burbs uh, who are cl- clearly season ticket holders. And I assume you've got casinos and other strip related businesses that are season ticket holders, but then you've got in regular times, just a gazillion tourists who are there for conventions, bachelorettes, bachelor, what have you. Yeah. Um, is the makeup of the game that different it's more local than you would ever believe okay. it's primary local uh, if if edmonton's in town or calgary's in town uh certainly chicago uh, i'm thinking of the different teams that we've done where there's been uh, a strong presence from from other teams you'll you'll see those sweaters in around uh when ottawa does its tour uh, you'll see them because they'll go to Arizona and they'll follow the team around right. and they, they sell those packages. But uh, I, I was with you thinking it would be sort of casino uh, perk driven uh, and, and, and funneled in with some offset by the locals. It's, I would say it's way more local than the other. This is their team. This is absolutely the 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 Las Vegas Valley's team, and there's no doubt about that. It's interesting then, because when you say that, it's it's interesting to me that a lot of the people that I know who live out there are not strip people. No, no. You, you now get like even some of the top restaurants have opened up in the burbs so that the locals don't have to come in to the circus. Yet you're telling me that the games are still quite a bit. Uh, Vegasy, and I'm surprised that plays up to those folks as opposed to just the tourists. Well, you get your taste of Las Vegas, yeah. but you don't have to go and and go out uh, to a casino for four hours, five Correct. hours. You, you, right. you can get your, and and it is you get your taste of Las Vegas. So they do something on on the scoreboard uh, during usually during the third period, and it's uh, it's one of the things that uh, I was told wait for it. There's going to be something that's going to come on and you're going to love it. And they do this um, lower bowl cheer, upper bowl cheer, uh, all the guys cheer, girls cheer, all that kind of stuff. And then they say all the tourists cheer and you get, you get some cheers. And then, then it is followed up with all the locals. Now the locals and the place goes bananas. So you just go off that and it, it tells you two things. One, they're proud. 
this is this is their club. This is not uh, the Strips team. This is mm-hmm. the Las Vegas Valley's team. And number two, there's a huge presence from from people that live and, and make their homes here. We don't, we don't go to the Strip very often. Even when when it was uh, up and running, we would go to a couple of shows uh, with the kids. But primarily, we, we we stay local. We're 20 minutes from the Strip, which is nothing compared to um, Seattle or Toronto <laughs> or wherever in, in traffic. Like it's it's 20 minutes of driving. Uh, there's very little traffic, uh, but we, we stay primarily uh, out in our, our neighborhood. So this might be an unfair question, but it has been argued by idiots like me that putting a na- National Football League team there is the easiest license to print money because football fans in every other market will descend on Las Vegas when their team comes to town. You know, Absolutely. whether it's Seattle, New York, Miami, Buffalo, when, when those teams come to town, nobody really needs that excuse to come on a Thursday night to watch their team play on a Sunday. Do you think it'll be the same for the football team? Uh, I know it will be because, and so I anticipate that it will be mm-hmm. because of one thing that I've, I've witnessed, Jonah, is they put out a map in the Las Vegas Review Journal uh, all the time during football season. And, and Allegiant Stadium still hasn't had fans. In oh, that's why I'm asking. Before. Hence Raiders, the hypothetical Raiders game. Yeah, it's 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 crazy that they've gone through a season and there was no fans uh, here. Uh, but so they put out this this great map in in the local newspaper, and it is all the local teams, uh, casinos or bars where that club's fan base gathers. So you'll have uh, a Red Rock Casino. Um, mm-hmm. The Seattle Seahawks uh, have have taken that that over as in in that sports book in uh the mgm uh it's, it's that like and, right. and and they put out this great map and it's the steelers are over here and the the um uh, rams are over here and it's it, it's it's wild and so if they have that already and that that's been around for a while because they didn't have the team i can't imagine that uh, that it would be any different when um uh, Green Bay is is playing in in Las Vegas. You wouldn't have an influx of of people. I we used to travel to uh, Colorado the first year that that we did the games. Uh, we didn't have our studio up and running yet at, at City National Arena, so we would do the road games from Denver uh, when when the the Golden Knights played uh, away from T-Mobile. And I was fascinated on a Thursday or a Friday at the airport. It was just people in football sweaters yep. coming into Las Vegas to to watch the games now that's that's when their team wasn't even playing it'll 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 be great but uh the raiders are very different locally than than the the golden knights the golden knights they were the first and raised and and there is a a connection to this community with the national hockey league that is unique and is very uh, uh uh just like a, like a child, uh, it's 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 yours, uh, and that's how the locals feel about the the National Football League, or sorry, the National Hockey League. The National Football League, it's a big business, and people are into it. But there's a connection, a strong connection, a human connection to the to the hockey team. It's been argued by me that uh, the powers that be there have done an immense, maybe not disservice, but certainly put increase the pressure on Ron Francis and the team <laughs> up here. I mean, no, I'm serious. Like the, the cost to the, to the fan here to get tickets to see the Kraken uh, is going to be immense. It's expensive. Um, they can't be
become um, Anaheim. They can't become Florida, Tampa Bay, whomever, and have, you know, the five-year honeymoon. And Mm -hmm. hopefully year six will make the playoffs. Well, Florida did Florida did go to a final in year number three. I, I just have to mention that because if uh, my friend Doug McLean ever hears this and I don't mention that, uh, he will be he will be very upset with me uh, on that. But uh, they haven't won a, they haven't won a series since since that ninety six six run. But so how how winning helps, right? Yeah. So it's contagious. How important do you think it is for Seattle to do the same in order to be successful here? Well, I, I still think that there's a grace period. I really do. Uh, just the idea of having the National Hockey League in your city and and being exposed to the highest level of the game uh, affords you a, a certain amount of time. Is it the five years that we saw uh, that we were used to, the five-year plan? Or is it now a three-year plan where you got to be knocking on the door? Like, Joe... This year, right, what where we are right now and in the National Hockey League schedule, this is year number four where the Golden Knights are, are closing in on, on the completion of the year four. This is when they should be kind of making that push to right. be a, a regular playoff uh, team and or starting to nudge up being in contention status. Well, this is their fourth year in the playoffs and they've been a contender every year. Uh, so you can't, you kind of lose track of this is Vegas is the anomaly. Uh, Seattle, I still think has uh, an ability to leverage being an expansion team. Uh, they'll all, they'll be compared. Like it's, it's misfortune uh, for, for uh, Ronnie and, and, and the group group there um, that they'll always be compared to, to Las Vegas. And that window is certainly going to be shorter or smaller, but I, I, I think that there's, there's uh, a bit of patience there. It's interesting in this market, people who doubt the viability simply because, you know, you get that first year where everybody wants to go once. Yeah. There's a big difference between shelling out for eight Hawks games versus 40 plus Kraken games. It's a lot easier to go when they're winning and they're in the hunt. It is. And uh, that's, that's the challenge that, that they have. And it, you're going through an expansion process and I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll sort of double down on this. The Vegas success also enables Ron Francis to take so much of what, what George and Kelly did in, in leveraging that expansion draft uh, and use it to their advantage. Now teams also uh, learned, <laughs> but there's been, a certain amount of turnover in, in management over the years between the Vegas expansion team and, and Seattle coming in. And, and I think, I think Ron and, and his group will be able to use a lot of what uh, the, the Vegas mold was and, and take it to their advantage and be more competitive uh, early on. Now I will go back to the expansion draft and that night, and I didn't see this. Like I looked at that team. I talked to uh, bounced off different. Nobody saw they got lightning in a bottle and they capitalized on it and they changed the plan and, and good on them. But uh, I wouldn't be one of those people that would judge Seattle's uh, future based on the expansion draft. Let's let it play out a little bit. What's um, what's the media market like there for, for hockey fans? That's 
interesting. It's because <laughs> uh, because I know no, no, we we compare everything to Toronto uh, or 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 Canada, and it's certainly not as intense, but it's uh, it's engaged, very engaged. Uh, there's, there's not as many people, uh, you have, we have one newspaper or two newspapers, but, uh, they're, they're sort of a columnist. Uh, then the TV stations all have staff at, uh, at every press conference or, or game day usually. Uh, so there's, there's, uh, a group of, uh, of media there. Um, radio side, uh, I, I host a two hour radio show on the Fox station here on the flagship station. We, we have two hours of hockey talk every day, uh, Monday to Friday. And you could go across the national hockey league and not find a dedicated hockey show, uh, in every market for two hours. So I think that's, that's huge. The, the resources, that they've put, uh, put into it in, in connection with, with the hockey club. So it's, it's not as over the top as Canada, uh, but it's, there's, there's definitely buy-in and there's a, a significant presence all, all the way for, for every old home game, every practice uh, that they do, even, even now while they're doing the, uh, the practices with social distancing and the, the, the cameras have to stay out and then you got to get, out of the rink really fast because you got to get on the zoom call. Uh, there's still, there's still a presence uh, with, with cameras at the rink. So for those following along at home, um, mm -hmm. Perry Bergson of the Brandon sun oh, has, yeah. an has an article on you that I, I will tell you, like I, I talked to a lot of folks like yourself. This is one of the best uh, feature pieces I, I've ever read. Actually. Perry's really good. Really good. Um, I learned a ton in it. So, so for those, uh, interested in the articles, Millard's career path meant to be, um, day one at Sportsnet. Yeah. What was that like? I, had, I had no idea it wasn't supposed to work. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put it that way. Uh -huh. uh, I, I signed on and I don't know how many people know this, but I had, I had an offer from TSN and I had an offer from Sportsnet that summer. Uh, and, uh, one was from Keith Pelly and one was from Scott Moore who ended up being, they, they were great friends and, and together, uh, and, uh, Scott Moore made the, the actual offer before. So I, I went with him and it was going to be Darren Detition and I doing uh sports center, or it was going to be me joining, uh, Sportsnet, this fledgling network that nobody knew anything about, but I was going to get to do the Canadian hockey league package on Sunday nights and then the Memorial cup. And that interests me. Uh, plus Scott made me the offer like a day before for Pelly is, but I was talking to them both. So I, I, I chose Sportsnet. Darren Dreger, uh, who's, uh, who I'm great friends with and have a long history with. I was also at Sportsnet, uh, had signed on with Sportsnet before me. And I just, I keep going back and I read some of the articles and I, I go over some of the, the, uh, historical pieces and i'm always shocked at how sportsnet wasn't supposed to work it was supposed to be a flash in the pan and then it would go away and tsn would would continue to dominate the landscape we we were so naive at least i was uh in that uh in in that vein and it was it was awesome we got to got to make basically make things the way we wanted to make things, whether it be highlights or whether it be uh, uh, the, the hockey broadcasts, uh, our, our 
our talent, our commentators. It, uh, it, it was really neat. It was, it was so cool. And we would be doing one show over like on one side of the studio because we had that open air studio and, uh, and there would be another show 30 feet away without a sound ball in between because nobody thought about the sound bleeding over to one or the other and, and, or, or there would be a big play on, uh, on, in a, in a, in a game and everybody on the row would, would jump up and yell, but we'd be on the air at the same time. And you'd always have to go like, there was so many different things that nobody thought of, but were way ahead of its time. Uh, and it was, it was fascinating. It, uh, I wouldn't, they were, they were interesting times, but it was, it was a fun, fun, cool time as well. We did a lot of TV uh, with, with uh, the East region and the Ontario region and the West region and the BC region. We were on, we were always on the air. You got to play monkey in the middle with, two pretty interesting characters uh a lot with 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 nick and doug yeah um they didn't always see eye to eye uh one former management one former player what was that like uh i would say the only time they ever agreed was when i voiced <laughs> my opinion and they would both be mad at me like why are you talking you're the host right. just host just host uh three passionate people uh, between us and they they get along better than anybody would ever imagine like, it never got personal uh doug can poke and pick and and lose his temper uh with people never did it with nick and nick would would uh would get passionate and would get fiery but never never held it, uh, never belittled or, uh, just brushed off Doug's opinion. They have immense respect for each other. And you see it now, like the, the project that they, they, they work on. Um, they, they are the perfect pair because it never got personal, uh, with the two of them. I would say, uh, Nick and I would get personal at times. Doug and I would get personal at times. Uh, but they never, for all the battles that they waged, never got personal with each other. It, it, it was a fascinating relationship. Uh, and, and I don't know whether it was because Doug had coached Nick briefly during their time or uh, whether they're just because of the hierarchy of management and player and they, they, they both sort of knew their way. But Nick was like, like the team captain who was able to push back against the coach and the coach would always respect uh, the team captain. Yeah. Uh, it uh, it's it's pretty cool, and, and I'm so I'm so proud of what uh, what they've done as well. It's interesting because again, just going back through the through the history book, there was an epic meltdown between you and Doug way back in 2011 when you guys really went at it, and there's another one where Doug and McCowan went at it pretty good. That, I remember time. that one. Yeah, I was actually buying a car at that time, and and the the guy that was selling me the car stopped because he had the radio on and said, "I need to listen to this." I said, uh, and I kind of knew it was coming. I, because of, uh, of where uh, the conversations that had taken place before, but that was about the Balsilli and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And I knew, I knew Bob was going to go someplace and I knew Doug wasn't happy with uh, some of the things that Bob had said at the time. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that, that, see that, that got out of hand. Doug and I at times got out of hand. And, uh, and, and, and I admit that that was, 
partly my fault too. I uh, accept my responsibility in that. And uh, I think I think the times that I would get upset or or get uh, personal would be when I felt like I was watching as much uh, and involved in the game as much as they had, and I wanted to do more than just throw it a commercial and especially on the radio and the TV, that's different. TV, that is my job is to set them up and, and go radio. Radio was different. That, that's where we probably had our most, uh, most feuds, but with, uh, it, it, it was also why people love the show because it was absolutely raw and real 99% of the time. Yeah. But you wanted to see what was going to happen next. Yeah. And unfortunately we got to go through numerous labor stoppages together. <laughs> yeah. And you, you had fricking frack, right? Like it was, you couldn't, you couldn't have set it up better. No. And then that wasn't the intention of the show. It was never management player. It was two personalities, but during a labor stoppage, it was management player and Nick would, would support the, the PA and that's what he should do. He was, he was, he was a player and, and had the players back and, Quite honestly, if down the line you're looking for interviews or, or contacts or information after the lockout, you would you would get some of that uh, that payback. Doug just firmly believed in. He came from own ownership. Uh, he was president of a hockey team, not just a coach, not just a manager, but he was president of a hockey team. Understood the business of the game uh, intricately and knew uh, the challenges of a market like Columbus, and he was going to stand up for for that market. And it it played out wonderfully you never we never once during our, our work stoppages ever had to search for things to talk about it would happen naturally and it's it's one of the weird uh uh evolutions of a show where during work stoppages and that that main lockout where we lost the year and then where we lost the the half year our ratings for that noon show would go up that's right and that's not supposed to happen during a work stoppage, but for that noon show, hockey central at noon during those, those, that period, uh, when it was hockey talk, so people were craving it, but also information and, and debate. And the same people would, would be having the, the debate with their buddies about who was right player management, but you had these two guys who are, uh, Stadler and Waldorf who were absolutely perfect in going back and forth. That. Uh, the games would return and our ratings would go down because we were just talking about X's and O's again. Cause and, it's not uh, that interesting. It's not, it's just, it's different. And you, um, it, it was a valuable lesson in, in how to handle things and, and where, where to go with your conversation for different types of presentations. What you did masterfully, in my opinion, probably subconsciously is you had two willing co-hosts who had an ability who have an ability to reveal inside secrets without revealing sources. Yeah. Well, so, Doug just says, I talked to a guy. I talked to a guy. He has a thousand guys. I don't even remember that. I don't even mean that specifically. It's more, Doug would say something like, you need to understand what it's like when your owner says to you, hmm. you got to cut cost or you need to make the playoffs or. Yeah. We don't, as fans, we don't have access to that readily. Um, Doug's ability to bring that out is unique, especially because he's not a quiet, calm individual. He's, I don't mean it negatively. He's boisterous. I was going to say belligerent. He's boisterous on the flip side. Nick can do the exact same thing from a player perspective. Mm 
you have Daryl Daryl Sittler's jersey behind you. So he he's not going to say, oh, and he's not that old, but he's not going to say, well, this is what Daryl Sittler would say to punch him black or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but he would say, when you're in the room and the coach does this or a GM makes a trade, this is what the guys are talking about. And he doesn't have to say who it is, but he brings that unique perspective as to why things are important. And again, he, he's, he may respect Doug, but he's certainly not a flower either. Like he's, he's pretty boisterous and opinionated. The, one of the biggest uh, disagreements that Nick and I ever had was about Mitch Marner and uh, whether or not he should be playing up in, in, in Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. Marner was really playing well at the time. And Matthew and Matthews was, was kind of um, just going through a bit of a flat spot. And uh, he, like Nick would tell me what was going on in the room. And I would say, well, no, like Marner's playing better. And he would, he would have that, that he, one, he's like, you haven't been there. I, and, and that would always bug me. You haven't played. No, but uh, he would take you inside that room on why Matthews has a little bit more rope and, and Marner, uh, doesn't and and now they're they're the same uh, Matthews and, and Marner uh, to a certain extent but uh, but that's an example of of taking you inside the room and and Doug Doug just knew uh, he he had an ability or his give a crap meter was so low at uh, the the fear of offending somebody that he would tell you those stories about being called into the the owner's office and and like this is. Uh, you're going to fire the coach. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Uh, and well, who's going to coach? You are. I don't want to coach while you're coaching. Like those, those kind of stories are. are so that's really, what I mean. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what I mean. Yeah. And, uh, but you also have like, there's, there's few people who will tell those stories because they all, most people, and I don't begrudge them at all, want to work again. And, right. and Doug still wanted to work again. Uh, but it wasn't his primary thing. He was, he was all in and, and Doug, Doug enjoyed, enjoys telling a story. He does. And, and that's one of his, his greatest strengths. And, and that would always win out over hedging a little bit. The only one in my mind who kind of comes close is Brian Burke. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think made him so successful in his short stint at, at, at the same ship. Um, the only the only thing is like Doug did it for ten years. No, no, for sure. That's and right. and uh, I think uh, like Berkey's a great personality. Berkey was uh, a great quote during during his time as a manager, and now now with Pittsburgh has always been that way. Doug was fiery when he was coaching and and a manager, but really became known as an entertainer. Uh, when he, when he went on the air, like he, uh, I always joked around at like Doug's the entertainer and Nick's the analyst, uh, but both have immense credibility within the game. Right. So what was it like when the, uh, the studio came crashing down on you guys? Uh, that was, well, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a couple of different, uh, sides of that. One was like, Doug came really close to being seriously hurt really close that that thing was probably a 60 70 pound piece of plywood and baffling that that didn't just fall on the desk but came came loose at one end and swung down like a pendulum and just missed his head 
and uh, we didn't know what was going on. It just it just happened. And the, the facial features and and the the reaction from us uh, was wow, that's crazy. Number two, you're live on the air, so you got to figure things out. And through different experiences beforehand, uh, different uh, bloopers or malfunctions or whatever you want to call, uh, uh, we kind of the three of us have been on the air in some weird situations in the past. So we had a bit of fallback in, in, in what to do, but uh, it was, it was scary. Like after the fact you realize Doug should have been seriously injured by it. So, so it happens the this, the piece of baffling falls down and we do our, our, well, a piece of the studio fell down and we're laughing and we're joking and we're, we're goofing around and you eventually take it to commercial break and you come back and you go to commercial break, Joan, and you're thinking, okay, what's going to happen now? Because <laughs> we still had probably half the show to go yeah. and nothing. It was just, okay, uh, you guys are back in two minutes. All right. So we continue the show. No bosses called zero uh, during, during the, the, the cave-in or anything. And we had a national broadcast that night. That was a Wednesday. And so I thought that was, that was always one of the greatest things. We got um, uh, a note from somebody on the eighth floor uh, who uh, was checking in with us from a management level, but none of our bosses ever called. I, I'll always go back to that. Like either nobody's watching, no bosses are watching the show or everybody just was waiting for it to continue. So we get, we get through, through that. We go down to the eighth floor to meet with our producer, Matt Marstrom for that night's show. And we decided we're going to open up the, the national broadcast that night with that thing. And we were told that wouldn't be a good idea because we don't want to draw attention to it. I'm like, the roof just caved in. It was on CNN. It was on uh, it was yeah, everywhere. It was, it was everywhere. And so they, they eventually uh, saw it in our way. But yeah, no, that was, it was surreal and you look at and the screw was it should have happened a long time ago uh the the screws that were in it and there were screws sticking out of that uh that plywood uh we we it turned into a funny story but it could have been tragic at at the same time uh and i'm i'm really glad that doug doug wasn't hurt uh hurt with it uh you, you they don't teach you that stuff in broadcasting school well, you said originally you guys weren't supposed to make it, so yeah, maybe yeah. somebody maybe somebody was doing their best. <laughs> they, to... they had a well. Then then we we were like uh, then we turned it into a joke that we were all after Doug trying to trying to take him right. out, and we 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 missed, and it was a it was a big failure. And how are we going to come up with this again? Because it'll look like we're after him. We're really after him, but uh, it uh, it was it was it was. I mean, we had um, the bloopers of people uh, running the wrong tape and coming out and. And having to play off that and different things, we've been on Jimmy Kimmel for a couple of a uh, couple of different bloopers, but that that one was the the blooper of all all bloopers. So you've done radio, TV, yeah. you've now done a podcast. I'm not going to say who was best, who was worst, but certain guests are more engaging than yeah. others. Who's your favorite guest to have on besides Doug and Nick? Uh, yeah, you know what? We just did a reunion. Uh, I know I watched a couple it. weeks ago and, yep. uh, and it was, it was a blast. Uh, I would like to do it again, uh, in our more traditional roles, uh, okay. with, with, with me, uh, interviewing them or do, do a show about hockey because that was more about just getting back together. And, and I, we talk, 
but we we just hadn't been on the air together, uh, the three of us. So uh, I would like I would really like to do it again. I, I hope I I can work with them on on a more regular basis again. Um, John Shannon is fun to have on. I love having John on uh, anytime. Be, uh, I have him on on the podcast. And I've had him on the chirp, and I've had him on the radio. And there's just so many places that you can go. Uh, and that's you, you've got the the podcast. You know exactly yeah. when you've got when you've got width and uh, with with a guest to be able to go any different way. It's 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 great with John. Uh, players, uh, I'm talking to more players now with my partnership with the National Hockey League, and that's been fun. Uh, I like that. I really do like that. But it, because it's a challenge, it's different. Players don't necessarily. There's a reason why. Bob McCown never wanted players on because they don't, they don't say a lot. So trying to get things out of players uh, is a challenge. Uh, Nick Foligno was awesome. Uh, Mark Stone is fascinating. Mark Stone is one of the most fascinating players uh, in, in the national hockey league. Uh, uh, so those, those are two Connor Garland. Uh, I talked to the, the kid from Arizona who is just, just on the cusp of being a superstar uh, with just being able to disturb everybody in the game and have everybody chasing after him uh, uh, around the ice, like like Eddie Shack and the Plager brothers, but uh, but also be a, a talented player. So those those are those are some uh, some some good ones that uh, that I've been able to uh, have have a chat with. Like I did one with Mike Johnson uh, in the early incarnation of the, of the podcast, and I wanted to go one place, and we ended up talking about something totally different. And that's those those are cool stories, and I I knew Mike, and and we still had like a conversation about stuff that I didn't know. Well, I promised to get you out of here to do another hit in five minutes. So no. I, uh, I really appreciate you doing this. I hope we can have you back on. And uh, I apologize because uh, when we, when you first sent a couple of notes, uh, well, one, I don't check my DMS all the time. And uh, then uh, I was in the middle of a crazy stretch. And so I totally apologize for, for not getting back to you. And uh, I actually, consciously didn't get back to you thinking uh, it would be better if I didn't get back to you and, and left it that way, instead of getting back to you and saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next week, next week, next week, keep, keep blowing it uh, and extending it. So uh, I apologize uh, sincerely. I would love to come back on and uh, there's so many different things that we can, t- I'd like to pick your brain a little bit about, uh, about what you're seeing and what you're, you're noticing. Cause I do keep uh, up to date on what's happening in Toronto and, and the Canadian market. And it's, uh, it's so unique in Seattle too. It's uh, that, that is uh, I think John Porcelain's going to be awesome and what they're going to do there is going to be pretty cool. Yeah. I just waiting for them to hire other media people. Cause it's uh it's a wasteland here, right? Like they're going to have to figure, like, I don't know who's going to tell the hockey story, but there's not a lot of people with NHL experience right now. And I hope they're going to uh, fill the market, if you will. Well, whoever becomes the coach, uh, there's just, just going to, you're going to have to be patient uh, as people, they know the sport though. There people know the sport. There's Maybe a massive, the- there's a massive advantage here than other markets. So I was in Florida when they got the Panthers, I was in law school down there. Mm-hmm. I've been in other markets. The difference here is one. Uh, so my kids both play here, one male, one female, mm-hmm. you can't get ice time. So there's already a community of hockey players. That's a massive advantage Yeah. Two, uh, you have a ton of Canadians that do live here. Uh, although we're biased for ourselves, that does help the market. Yeah. Um, Three, there's a ton of Northern Europeans as well, helps the market. And when you've got Amazon, Starbucks, Microsoft, Boeing, 
uh, Expedia, Facebook, Google, like all of those people bring with it uh, international fans who are familiar with the game. Those things really help. And the biggest thing is after the Seahawks, with all due respect to the Mariners, there's nothing going on here. Like the Seahawks haven't played meaningful football. There's been nothing. So the market is really theirs to dominate. And, um, you know, the, the, the Sounders soccer is one thing and it draws an, a very young, vibrant, different crowd. But this is, they have a market unto themselves until the NBA comes back. I think that there's an opportunity if you're uh, passionate about hockey in, in another market in the United States and maybe you're like the backup of the NBC in Raleigh. Uh, yep. I'll pick a, a when they're having great success. Uh, apply to, I think that that would be an unbelievable place to go in and and be the the hockey person. Yeah, would would be outstanding. Like we have uh, our our ringside reporter Stormy Bonatoni had never covered hockey before. She dove in and made herself a hockey uh, fan, a hockey follower. But it took like every ounce of her investing herself in it. To, to be able to gain the cred, the, some credibility with coaches and, and players. You got to be able to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's a, I, I don't think you have to be uh, a 30 year hockey person. I think it helps, but uh, you got to be invested if you're going to cover the, cover the league because people, it, we're, we're a very proud sport and we don't like uh, those that just pop in and pop out. And uh, you, you got to be invested in it. And I, I'll be curious to see how it sorts out. Well, I will let you go to your show. I really appreciate you doing this. We will have you back after the playoffs before the uh, expansion draft to check in again. Oh, that's cool. I would, uh, I've got some great expansion draft stories for you. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Stay well and uh, follow along. You know how to subscribe and uh, check, check out uh, his, his podcast as well. And if you go to Vegas, you'll have a really good time at those games, I'm sure. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.